How's everybody doing? <laughs> okay. <laughs> hope if you have your Bibles, Joshua chapter 1, Joshua chapter 1. As you get settled down, um, finding your way there, let's just have a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you uh, for tonight, just gathering us up in this place, and um, we're just grateful to have the privilege to be able to open your word freely, to communicate, to hear, um, to receive, Lord, all that you desire to share with us on tonight. We pray, Lord, that you would just settle our hearts, you would open our hearts, that um, it would be your spirit speaking more than anything else, Lord God. Lord, may our concerns or the things that are heavy on our hearts, Lord, if there's anyone going through just even having a rough day, Lord God, I pray that you would just settle them down and comfort their hearts right now. And um, thank you for the privilege it is to, to gather amongst um, young people, Lord God, to encourage, to strengthen, and to simply be used of you, Lord God. We don't take it for granted. We just ask that your spirit would just speak to us, meet us here, um, be with Alan um, in this time off, Lord God, and just uh, go before our time tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For those of you who like taking notes, the, it, it, can we take away like some of the, like I'm hearing myself and I hate to hear me. <laughs> and so um, that's testing one, two, that seems a lot, lot better. Thank you. And so, the title of the message is um, Get on the Ride. Get on the Ride. Um, and, and simply just looking at the first nine verses of the book of Joshua, many of us are familiar with this story. Um, Alan, you know, Alan wanted me to share just some stories and experiences that God has taken me through in the journey through um, just serving the Lord in the context that we do serve. So you'll hear stories. Um, I'll share them. It's kind of hard for me to do that a lot of times and, and just knowing like, hey, God just continues to move me forward and, and not to get caught up in the stuff behind. But um, I, I'll try to do the best I can to encourage you through the experiences that God takes me through. Um, but looking at Verses 1 through 9, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel, Every place that the soles of your feet or your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea towards um, the going down of the sun shall be your territory." No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance to the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. 
for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Here we see Joshua. And Joshua is interesting to me because as you look at him, number one, God is speaking to him. And here Joshua must listen to the commands of the Lord. It says in verses 1 and, and 2, we see here that Moses, the Lord's servant, was dead. Moses, perhaps you remember, he was the one um, that brought the children to the point of, of just going through that 40 years in the wilderness and was supposed to be the one to bring them out of the land of wandering and all of that. But he brought them to the point of the place where Joshua would be able to take on the, the responsibility and take them into the promised land. And so we see here Moses, though, is dead. But nonetheless, he was, in fact, a what we see here, a servant of the Lord. And one of the things I would ask you and I, are we willing to be a servant of the Lord till death? You know, we can serve the Lord for a season. We can serve him for a time, you know. Or we can say, you know, oh, you know, I hear people all the time, oh, this is for this season, you know. But are we willing to make a commitment to the Lord for life, you know, just in serving him? And what does that mean? A lot of times we serve the Lord based on the context that we want to shape for our lives. But are we willing to just say, here I am, Lord, I'm your servant. And for the rest of my life, I want to serve you. And so that means we're going to get on God's agenda, not on our own agenda. And so here we see Moses is dead, though, and he speaks to Joshua in this respect, and, and, and he challenges him. He says, hey, number one, let me remind you something. Moses, your servant is, or my servant is dead. And a couple of things we note from verse one is that Joshua was the assistant to Moses for some time. You know, it's pretty interesting you look here because it seemed that he had to serve alongside Moses before God would even raise him up to lead him forward to serve or lead the children of Israel into this place. And so often, I know for me, I deal with people that don't really want to serve alongside or, you know, come under some type of leadership. They want to go where they can go, where they don't have to have authority or any leadership over them, you know, um, they want to do their own thing. And, and you know, that, that's never going to work in life, <laughs> you know, you're always going to have to give someone authority, you know, I think of the young people that I deal with in our community, you know, they don't want the police to be their authority, they don't want, you know, maybe even their parents to be their authority, you know, a lot of the young people who grow up in, in our context is, is broken homes, you know, um, the teachers don't have authority over the children. A lot of the teachers are afraid of the students, you know, so, so it's really crazy, you know. Nobody wants to give anybody the authority. But, but for us, as the children of God, we have to give him the authority, number one. So we have to come under his authority. Number two, you know what? There's going to be some people that we're going to have to serve under and submit to their leadership. If not, when you go somewhere else, he's going to have you submitting under something else. When you ultimately hear, as you look, this is the challenge so often. And think about Joshua in this place as Moses, his friend, his leader, is gone. He's dead. And we can get discouraged about something like that. No, if you lose a loved one, a friend or someone, you can, you can become discouraged. I know I have been. Have you ever lost a dear friend or even a family member and you just become in that place like, well, what is the point of doing this anymore or, or why should I go over there? But here, look, understand this. Moses is dead and the Lord comes and speaks to Joshua. And this is interesting. Perhaps he was seeking him, wanting to hear from him. And, and understand this. The Lord speaks when we seek. Are you willing to seek the Lord? Here we see Moses dead, Joshua now coming into that place, and you see him here, the Lord now speaks as the commander, I would call commander-in-chief. And I wonder, as Joshua was seeking 
and waiting. Maybe he felt like he was in a standstill. What do you and I do when we're in this place? Are we willing to wait on him? Are we willing to even seek him? You know, many times um, we, we, we get into a place and we're wondering what's next. And so instead of, you know, seeking the Lord on what's next, God, or, or what should I be doing? Hey, you know what? Sometimes in that place of stillness, until God speaks, a lot of times we want to get going and doing something. But right now, he may just be calling you to sit still and wait. Wait patiently. You know, we're in this fast-paced world, and everything is quick, and give it to me quick at a touch of a button. You know, just everything is fast, so it's a challenge a lot of times when somebody says, wait. You mean I have to press the pause button? You know, hey, Joshua could have got up and said, I'm going to do this, so I'm going to do that. But here, understand this, he had to wait until God spoke. And under leadership, as he had learned coming under Moses' leadership, someone said this, I'll give it to you like that. In order to lead well, you must be well led. And there is no better leader than Jesus. Are you willing to go to your commander in chief to be led in the way that he wants to lead you and I? You know, I can think of even how so often I'll come to the Lord and bring something to him and and ask him, Lord, hey, what am I supposed to do about this? Or how am I supposed to go about that situation? And you know, so often it's so uncomfortable in his responses. It's not what I want to do. You know, it's often the opposite of how I would deal with a situation or a circumstance. You know, I can remember very early on when God had called me to go to the city of Newark It was years before that he had spoken that I would go there, but it was years of preparation in the direction that he was taking me. For example, helping in Kearney with the church plant there. But I knew that when even some of you probably were in Pampers when Patrick Farrell had just become um, Lloyd's assistant pastor, you know. And I'm talking to Patrick about these things that the Lord was pressing on my heart. But God had led me to help with the plant in Kearney beforehand. And so we served there faithfully. And then I can remember in the time that God was beginning to speak in the time that we were to now begin to go out and how difficult and how challenging that was. I can tell you a story. When we, before this, this is before church outreach, any of that started. I remember standing on, in the city of Newark, there's the um, Market and Broad Street. That's like the heart of the city, right? That's I grew up in New York City, so if you know New York City, that's like 125th Street. That's where everybody goes shopping. I'm from the city, so I, I don't know where to equate that with an Old Bridge. You know, that would be like hanging out maybe at your local mall, but it, this is a strip of stores, you know, that you shop on. And so anyway, I'm one block south of Market and Broad Street, just standing there praying one day and just walking and watching what's going on in the neighborhood and, and so forth. And I'm seeing drug transactions. I'm seeing... Um, all kinds of crazy stuff going on just right there before my face. I'm seeing police officers and nobody saying anything to nobody. And, and I'm just like, man, this is crazy, man. This is, and, and this guy comes up, yo, what you doing here, man? And I'm like, um, I'm, I'm just here praying, man. I feel like God is, is calling me to, to come out and, and, and just start reaching out to people out here. And he's like, man, you, you must be crazy. You must be brave because ain't nobody coming out here with that stuff, man. Right? And um, I was just like, Lord, help me, man. Like, are you sure I'm supposed to be doing this? Like, and so I said, I said to the Lord, I said, you know what? Let me go up to Montclair, Bloomfield, get some civilized folks. And then we could come back down here to the hood. Sorry. Um, then we can come down here to the city and, um, and, um, and begin to reach the people in this community, you know? And, and, and I remember the very next day in the car going to work. And I had this message sitting on my computer um, for over a year. And all it said was lecture five. And I remember trying to listen to that same message a year before. Now, you know, sometimes you turn on a message and you hear and it's just not hitting you right there. So what do you do? Turn it off. Some of y'all might have turned me off this, this evening already. You know, that's okay. You know, somebody else is listening. That's all right. But look. I turned it off. 
But that day, when I was in the car, I just clicked it and started to listen to it. And the pastor there that was sharing was sharing in a way that it just really challenged me in reaching out to the city. He was talking about Jonah and going to Nineveh and how Nineveh was the heart of the city. And then it spread, it out, spread out to the communities. And so in that same respect, Newark, people don't know their right hand from their left in a lot of ways. People are doing what's right in their own eyes in so many ways. And, um, and I knew that God was calling me to go ahead and take the step of faith, not in the suburbs of Newark, but to start right there in the city. And that was very difficult, challenging for me because, yes, I grew up in, the na- in the New York City. Yes, I grew up in an urban context. Yes, I grew up doing all kinds of bad stuff. But, you know, when, when, well, this is what happens in life, right? When you're chasing the American dream, you know, and you grew up, in, when I grew up in New York City, uh, when I lived in the Bronx, it was the murder capital of the country. Uh, I seen people get shot. I seen people's bodies laid out on the street. Um, all kinds of crazy stuff going on. You know, I had roaches in my house. I had mice, rats, you know, yes, I had it. Um, but when you get out of that, you're like, oh, I ain't turning back to that. Yeah, like some of y'all may not have ever experienced that, and maybe you never want to experience it. But when you come out of that, you don't want, you're not saying, well, you know what, put me near that or, or put me in that, you know. Well, you're saying, man, I, I got out of that, <laughs> and, and you know what? I'm going to keep on pressing to the American dream, you know? I'm going to get my kids a better education. I'm going to get my kids in a better civilized community, and, and I'm going to get them in a nice house, and, and we're going to do this thing. And you know, God always has a way of interfering with your plans. Oh, how I know it so well. <laughs> but he'll speak to you. And he'll tell you things that are very uncomfortable. And we have a choice to make. This is the reality. We have a choice to make. To submit and obey or turn the other way. Do what you want to do. Do what I want to do. And you know, again, maybe perhaps according to verse 2, maybe for Joshua, he found some kind of security in Moses being around. But it was time for him to hear and to follow the commands of the Lord. So watch what the Lord commands him to do. Number one, he tells him to arise. In other words, get up. Now you can stand up, but then what? He says, go over this Jordan. This Jordan. Now it's pretty interesting because when you look at this thing here, he says, go over this Jordan. He could have gotten up many a days and looked over that Jordan and just said, man, it's, it's sure something interesting over there, I wonder. But it's not until we choose to go over in obedience that we'll see God do a work. And watch this here. He says, not only you to go over, but all this people. Not by yourself. But he says with these folks, and we could sit and gaze and fantasize about the call of God and, and, and what if I go and do this or what not, and, and we can process that all in our minds and we can dream and, and all of these things we can do in the very same position and God is saying, get up and go over. There's no longer no, any time to be sitting and processing and, and, and thinking it through. You know, so often I hear people, oh, I'm still praying about that. Man, it's been five years. Now, when you get a word from the Lord, you can go and get a word from the Lord in a week or a day about some other stuff. You know, should I buy this car? Oh, I was praying and, and I've been dreaming about this, you know, Ferrari or this, you know, whatever car, this Honda Accord, your first car. You've been dreaming. Oh, yeah, that's the car God wants me to have. But then it's something like, oh, you know, take a trip to the Sudan or maybe even Newark. And you're like, man, I'm still, I'm still praying. You know, I'm still, well, God hasn't spoken to me yet. No, you, you seem to have all the answers when it's something that fits your, your own desire, you know. And, and it's interesting, but note this. God's command comes with 
a promise. And, and that's what I'm encouraged by. Because it's not until we hear the command and are able to stand on the promise is when we're going to see the power of God work out in our life. That's when we'll see that. Watch this here. He tells them to go to the land which I am, underline this, note this in your heart if not. He says that I am giving to them, the children of Israel. That's interesting, right? Because he's saying, look here. This is what I'm telling you, Joshua. Go over there. Get up. Go over this place. I'm giving this place to the children of Israel. It, it wasn't that, hey, you know, you, you, you know, when you get there, then you will know that I'm giving it to you. No, this is the promise. I'm giving it to you. And, and I'll tell you what. This passage right here has, has given me stable feet in the journey. Because here, when you look at this here, the, the word Israel, the children of Israel, that word, you probably learned this in here numerous times, but it means governed by God. That's what the, the word Israel means. And you and me should be what? Governed by God. So when God says, get up and go over, what should we do? This is, this is communication. You ready? When God tells me to get up and go over, what should we do? I see it was real easy, right? <laughs> so, and look, Joshua could have said, nope, I'm not, I'm not going over there, and more so, I'm not taking these folks over there with, with me. You see, he already had seen the folks and how they were acting even under Moses' leadership, you know? And, and so, maybe God tell you to go with a, a friend or maybe even somebody that you don't know that well. I, I know, look. There, when doing, doing ministry, you deal with people. And you deal with all kinds of different people. Some people are pleasant. Some people just bullheaded. In a, in a group like this, I guarantee you can have many personalities. Isn't that true to leadership here? You got many different personalities, right? Everybody's not the same. And some people we could just mesh with. Just like, oh, man. But then there's some other people that God put on your team that's just like, and that's the people that God wants to build patience and character in you. You know, you say, oh, God, would you just change their heart? No, God wants to change you and me, or our heart about that individual. That's why they don't change. Think about that. Like, it's just so difficult. We're, you, you better, you need to change. No. God's saying, you change. You begin to embrace my heart for those individuals that are so difficult to you. And you'll find it to be so much different in how we deal with folks. You start to put that into perspective. Hey, God, don't give me my heart for these folks or this person. God, give me your heart for this individual. And then you start to think about how, how, how God deals with you personally. And then you start to begin to say, oh, I have no room, no space to lack grace. And so here, look, think about this. Tells him to go over this place. And when he goes over, this is when we'll see. You can go read the, the book for yourself and see the power of God's Spirit work so radically through his obedience. Francis Chan said this. He said, God puts his Spirit in us so that we can be known for our power. Sadly, most believers in churches are known for talent and their intellect rather than supernatural power. What's worse is that we're okay with it. I'm willing to bet there are millions of churchgoers across America who cannot confidently say they have experienced his presence or action in their lives over the past year. And many of them do not believe they can. You see, this is the thing. When I read a book like this and I hear God's call to Joshua and the promises start to roll out in these verses, I start to get like high on that stuff. I start to say, God, if you could do that for Joshua, then I know you can do it for me. And when you speak to me in my heart and call me to obey you this way, then I want to go for it. But there are many people that come to church 
hear the stories, read the books, know the stories, can break down the stories, can argue theological points, but experience? Well, I can tell you somebody that I know that, how about that personal experience with God? That you can read something like you, you and I are no different or no better than or no less than Joshua. We're no different or no better than or no less than the apostles that God uses. He wants to use your life today. I'm no better or no different than, than God working in me than he is working in you. I'm a high school graduate. I barely made it through high school. Fooling around. And many of y'all are on your way to college. Look, where's your, where's your bent? Is it for the mission of God? Or is it just to be successful and to just raise nice family? That's All of that is great. I was, I've been married 19 years. Some of y'all are not even 19 years old yet. I got four children. 20. You do the math. I put the cart before the horse, yes. Don't do it my way. My second one is 18. Third one is 15. And then I have a 10-year-old about to be 11. But look at the promise in verse 3. It says, every place that the soles of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness... And this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. I like to call this promise number two. And he says here, every place that the soles of your foot are placed upon. What does this mean to us when we read this? Do you read this in a way that it stirs your heart? That every place that you take your feet, that God takes your feet, He's already given you the promise that it's yours. Look here. I'll tell you what. One time when we first went into this place called Baxter Terrace, it's no longer open anymore. It was one of the worst projects in Newark at the time. And um, I can, I'll never forget this. We're going in, and I had a friend that was paralyzed from the waist down that was with us. But God called me to go into that community. And I had him alongside because he did Christian hip-hop, and, and we were going to use him to do some things there. But I remember as we were walking into the development that the guys that were standing on the, on the side there by the park they all like kind of took their bandanas out their pocket and they started flagging their purple and blue bandanas, you know, because it's in there was, you may know this, Grape Street Crips. And so they flagging their flag. And I'm walking in there, I'm like, oh my goodness, like this is going to be a problem. And I'm walking in and I started feeling like, well, you know what? James is paralyzed, <laughs> you know, won't he go in there first, you know, like, like, they have some mercy, some grace on him, you know, and I can remember distinctly that the Lord said very much this right here to my heart, I told you that every place that you place your feet is going to be for yours for the taking. And so I quickly <laughs> walked up in front of him and started, hey, just extending my hand to the guys, and the guys looking at me like, I ain't shaking your hand, man. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is very uncomfortable, you know, because I've been removed from that kind of life and way of thinking for so long that it's not like second nature to me anymore. And so here it was that I had to go here and I had to remember that God had said he had given us this place and let me tell you how from that day forward in that community, God had given us open door, crazy, crazy favor in that place. How um, from one guy that he called himself, he doesn't call himself great, crip or blood. He said, I'm the king of both sides. And um, if you met him and you've seen him and been around him, I, I don't know. I, I lived in Harlem. I lived in the Bronx. I've been to Queensbridge. Um, 
I've been to Compton, Watts, and I've never met anybody as crazy as this one guy I'm talking about right now. And I tell you what, he said this after engaging with us for some time. He said, I, I, never, I never shoot another person again. He said, I may smack them, but I'll never shoot another person again. And just to watch his life, little by little, it's not, you know, he's he not, you know, saint or anything like that. But just to watch him make those small changes throughout the years. It's just been incredible to watch. But God has given us favor in that community until they tore it down. And they're still be in contact with some people from that very community. But we would never experience that it had we responded to the flags. Oh, you know what? Oh, it's time to go. And here, as you look at this, think about this. God's telling them, hey, from the north, the south, the east, the west, I'm giving it to you because I promised it back at, to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 15. I already gave him the promise. I promised it to Moses. But Moses misrepresented the Lord. And so here we see, he says, it's going to be your territory. And Joshua, for a lifetime, was to have and stand in this promise that against all the enemies of God, that he would have victory. And I think this is something to be noted because God says here, even in that verse 9, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now that's a promise that God gives him. His unfailing presence and help was going to be with him. God never walks out of our life and that is his promise. Isn't that so, that, shouldn't that be so comforting? And man, you know what? I may walk through the valley of the shadow of, 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 of death, but what? I will fear no evil. And you see here, again, the scriptures tell us that God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear, but of love, of power, and a sound mind. And so here, look, hey, you know what? Yeah, it looks crazy when I look out and I deal with individuals. Yeah, I don't want to be there, I'll tell you the truth. But you know what? I walk in faith. Trusting that the Lord has told us every place we step our foot upon, it's ours. That's the same thing for you guys. Wherever you go, you got to believe God. Hey, you know what? I'm going in obedience to you. I'm going in the mission that you send me in. And you know what? When I walk in there, things change. We used to go in those developments and we still go in the developments. We could hear shootouts happen before that we went in there or after we left. But God protects us. When we're there, it's not, it has not happened. In the 10 years we've been there, it has not happened while we've been specifically in the place until last week. <laughs> I'm not making a joke. I'll tell you about it in a minute. But it wasn't in our, um, we weren't in the midst of crossfire. But I'll tell you about it in a minute. But note this here in verse 5. It says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Look here, when you answer in obedience the call of God, there'll be men to try to stand against what God is doing. But I want you to be encouraged by this. It says no man shall be able to stand before you. You know, people are going to speak negative. They're going to try and you know, talk you out of what God has called you to. Maybe, you know what, I'll be honest with you. It may be even in your own family. You know, and it's not intentional. It's just because they care. You say, oh, God woke me up last night and, and he's been ministering and putting a burden on me for someplace like the Sudan. Or, or maybe God say, go to Iraq or something like that. Or maybe, again, like maybe he say, go to Camden or something. And you like, your mom and dad are going to be like, nah, that ain't God. You better get back in that prayer closet. <laughs> because they, they, they have a care for you it's a concern and I understand that but you have to know for sure look hey we're called to honor our mothers and fathers so we, I'm not saying be disobedient to them but you need to share the burden that God has given you and be willing to obey and if your parents are really seeking the Lord, you both can go in your prayer closets together and you pray for them, they pray for you, and you should come back with the same answer because you're seeking the same God. 
And so that should give your parents the peace to trust God more than their feelings. Somebody going to get in trouble tonight. Me. <laughs> it's all right. But notice it says here, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I want you to be encouraged just even in that statement tonight because look here, so often we can look at somebody like a Greg Laurie, a Lloyd Pulley, a Ray Dash, and think that, oh, you know what, God was with them, or God is with them. But you can think like, hey, you know what, I don't know that for me. But I want you to see the assurance here that God had to give Joshua through this right here. The same way I was with Moses in this journey is the same way that I'm going to be with you. And if you and I are his children tonight, then you can know that that promise stands true no matter what name it is or whatever it changes in that respect. Hey, he is with you and I. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That is a reassuring thing he gives here. And when things get hard, and those days will come, where you just wonder, where in the world is God in this? You know, we sang the song just before this. It says, you are good, you are good, oh good. You're never going to let, you're never going to let me down. We sang it. And when those times of trials and, and just it feels like God is so removed from your hardship and your trial. Can we sing that? Can we really believe that in our heart? You say, man, God, you're good. You're good. You're never going to let me down. You're never going to leave me nor forsake me. Can we stand on that? And I tell you, there's been times, man, I just wanted to throw in the towel and just give it all up. I can see God's blessing. I can see God's hand. But then you know what? There's times where I just say, God, where are you? You know, and, and, and as you go through the walk and answering the call and seeking to obey God's voice, you're going to face these days. You know, I, so many people, they, they want to tell you all the, the great things of ministry, and then you, you get involved in ministry, you say, oh, man, I was sold a bill of goods. Look here. Know the call so that you're able to stand in the call, knowing that you are obedient to the voice of God. You see, because Satan it will try to knock you off of your focus in obedience to the Lord. And here, this is why I believe verse 6 is here. He says, be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. He says, be strong. But I believe this is more than physical strength. I believe this is spiritual strength. And when you look at this here for your own life, are you strengthening yourself spiritually on a regular basis? Though you can't get ready. I mean, you can't go into the battle and try to get ready there. That's not going to work. And so, you know, if we're not prepared by prayer, you know, in situations where we have to fast knowing where God is taking us into, you know, if you're not willing to, hey, prepare your heart in that place, you know, then when you get to the battle, it's not the time to, you know, it's like the person, man, I, I, I'm going to, you know, be strong. I'm going to be fit, you know, but, but they never go to the gym. They never diet. They, they just think that they're, oh yeah, I'm strong. That, that's not going to work. You're not just going to go in the gym and think you're going to push up, you know, heavy weight. No, no, no. You have to prepare. You have to work towards those things so that you're able to. And so even in the same respect here, as you look here, hey, do you have that secret place with the Lord to be strengthened by Him on a regular basis? But I'm not talking about just reading your Bible. You see, and this is the thing that I'll say to you guys. And I watch even my own children. They can have the right answers. The right answers ain't going to give you spiritual strength when trials come. But are you really finding life in your quiet times? 
Look, it's one thing to come to Bible study. It's one thing to show up at church service. But when you sit down privately with the Word, you know, are you reading your Devo? And then you know what? Maybe you read it on your phone. You know, I'm going to just read my Devo on my phone, you know. And then you know, oh, you know, I get this chime and it tells me about Instagram or, you know, all the young people on Snap. So, oh, hold on, I got to go over there. You know what? If that's the distraction for you, put it down. Turn it off. Go get a, a, a book that's tangible or maybe print out the page that you want to read or, or just turn off notifications, something. But you know when we find ourselves doing that? When we're really not interested in what God has for us. We start getting distracted with all kinds of other things. But when you are able to get into that place and, and, and you find joy and excitement there because you're expecting God to speak and to challenge us in that place, you know what? Hey, you, yeah, I'll get those notifications, but I'm not going to respond that to that right now. I can get back to that because you know what? Right now is me and the Lord's time. And so here, I want to encourage us here, be strong. Be strong. But be strong and of, note this, good courage. Ephesians chapter 6, verses um, 10 through 11 says, Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and put in, the, in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. It's important to us. We will do. And here in verse 7, it says, Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Again, it just seems like this reminder of doing what God has said. And God reminds him in the respect of perhaps you weren't listening the first time, but I'm going to tell you again. He says, be strong, and watch this next word, be courageous, be bold. Be bold. Where the Lord is speaking, we must obey him. What has Jesus commanded us? I know, for example, in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, he says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. I wonder, are we answering in obedience the commands of Jesus. When's the last time you shared your faith with somebody else? You don't have to tell me, but I hope you know, and I hope you're being used in that respect to share your faith with somebody. What you, you know, it, I, I mean, I talk to people young, old, in between, just about Jesus. And the things that people normally believe today are wacko. And I'm sure that you are in school with some wacko folks. Yeah. <laughs> it says preach the gospel to all creatures. Watch this here. Last week, I told y'all some form of a shootout. But this is what happened. Last week, Friday, had a long day. Fridays, me and my wife normally hang out. You know, this is me and Ruthie day. And we go out for breakfast and whatever she wants to do. I try to meet every one of those requests. You know, hey, I need to stop here. I need you to drive me here. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I try to take on that heart to just be a blessing to my wife, you know. But, but watch this here. So I get this phone call where one of the guys that, Goes to our fellowship. His birthday was on Saturday, but because he had to work, he was having a gathering on Friday, and so he wanted me to come over. But we also had, excuse me, a missions team in that was working, and so I was hosting them. And you know, because when you live on a church property, you know, and the people are staying at the church, then you know you can't delegate that to somebody else. It's like, and I just feel like that anyway. Like I just want to be around the guys. So anyway, I hang out with them. And then I come in to try to settle down, and my wife um, says, weren't you going over so-and-so's house? I'm like, oh. And it's late, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go. Because if I don't go, I know they'll take it personal and all of that stuff. So I jump in the car, I drive across town, go there. And so it's about 10.30, and some of the people at the house, watch this, 
he is walking with the Lord, but some of the people at the house, the siblings, family members, you know, they, they drinking wine and stuff like that. And they said, Pastor Ray, you, you, why you come to the party so late? I said, because I know when the party get live. And then they start, they trying to hide their drinks and everything now that I'm there. So this guy, he also, on the side, he sells fish sandwiches to the people in the community. And so he's at his party making fish sandwiches, and these people, some people are coming to the, the back door to get some um, fish sandwiches. So this one fella comes to the door. He's 24 years old, and he got tattoos all over his face, husky, you know, everywhere I could see on his neck, tattoos. And I'm just looking at this guy, and God just started to say, go talk to him. Go talk to him. Uh, he come here for all this, right? But I'm like, all right, right? So I go to him. This is the first thing I say. I say, hey, this guy ever tell you about Jesus? Because, you know, this is this his house. This is his community, right? Like, it, you, you, he, you need to hear from him. And I trusted that he did. And so the guy is like, oh, well, um, yeah. I said, so what do you believe? What do you think, you know, um, about life? And I start to engage him. And so I start asking him, you know, his beliefs, and he, oh yeah, I believe in this, but I believe in this also, and it's all like a a pot, you know, just mixed up with all kinds of stuff, and so I say to him, if you die today, where you going? And his friend says, man, that joker going to hell with me. (laughs) I said, well, let me say something to you. I said, if you go to hell, it's not because that's where God desires for you nor he to be. That's because you chose to get there. I said, what's your name? He said, Lucifer. <laughs> but this is a real story. I ain't making these names up. I ain't filling no blanks. This is what this guy, Lucifer. I said, well, let me tell you something, man. I know your mom didn't name you that. He said, yeah, my mom named me some messed up stuff. He used other words. But <laughs> I said, look, that may be what you name yourself. I want to tell you something. And I began to just share the gospel with him and just encourage him and so forth. When Lucifer says to me, man, you know what? I could really use some prayer right now. And I gather around him and the other guy that had all the tattoos named Hood. Right? Not neighborhood. But, uh, <laughs> so we gather around, we praying and everything. They leave, come in the house, back and forth. I'm standing in the middle of the apartment only like from that door to like here, distance-wise, front door, back door. And I hear, pow! Sorry, scared some people. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure y'all was waking up, you know. <laughs> That was not intentional, I'm very sorry. (laughs) But that's how close the gunshot was. And so one of the guys we know was outside in the front on the porch, and he opens the door, comes in. I walk that way, of course, right? I'm standing in the doorway, and I see the guy opening the revolver, taking out the used bullet, putting in another bullet, and closing it off, and then passing it off to a girl, and then they proceed on their way. Now, what I found out was the guys that I was talking to in the back and praying with and all were arguing with those guys in between that time. And so um, they did that. But in the midst of me standing in the back porch, the guys that I was talking to later on, they start walking down that alley. They see me stand out there. They make a U-turn and come back around. I say, yep, I already know. And so I see them come down and around, and then they come through about 10 minutes later the guy that shot the gun in the front accidentally or testing the gun or whatever he was shot in the stomach goes to the hospital lives comes home two days later and they finished him off who did it I got my own opinions But the people, they think they're playing a video game. They think they can just take life 
and take it for granted, think you're going to live forever, think your freedom is going to be always available. And, and look here. For me, I trust every place I go, God's got my protection. You know, I started to feel like maybe I'm driving too many places. And so, you know what? I started to walk in places intentionally. Because that's what the promise was. It wasn't everywhere you drive is going to be yours. So I said, you know, I'll start walking some more places and believe in God to use me. And so here, look, understand this. He tells us to go to share with all the world. But he also tells us this in John 15. And we'll wrap it up with this. It says, this is my commandment that you love one another. As I have loved you, greater love has no one than this than he that lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. What do we do when someone wrongs us? Have we felt wronged before? Look, this is a body of believers here. And I, I would just venture, maybe this is for somebody tonight, whether it's in here tonight, or in your own home, or in your own community. I'll tell you what. There's so much strife that could occur within the body of Christ. Within the body of Christ. We're so busy fighting one another that we can't even fight the enemy. But this is a command that Jesus gives. He says, if you do whatever I say to you. But he tells us to love one another as he has loved us. How has he loved you? Well, the Bible tells us that he, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. You know anybody loving like that? I don't know too many people loving like that. But I tell you what, we're called to love like that. And so maybe you have a brother or a sister in the Lord, and it is a command that we are to love them with the love that God has supplied to us. And I want to challenge us to be obedient to that command. Not to just go out and, and, and preach the gospel. That's one command. But there's another part in our body that we're responsible for to maintain the love of Christ among one another. And I see so many people just at odds. And I tell you, I've been wronged. And I've been challenged by God and His voice to love an individual past their wrongdoings against me. And I've learned so much and God has given me so much grace in doing so. There's times I just don't want to. I don't feel like it. And I failed in many ways. But look here. Understand this. He says here, don't turn to the left or to the right. That's what he says here, right? He says that you may prosper wherever you go. Don't be like a Pharisee. I say that's to the right. Don't be like a Sadducee. I'll say that's to the left. And I'd also say, don't be like a Democrat or a Republican. Follow the mission that God has given you. And stay on that mission. And he promises that you may prosper wherever you go. God has never called us to, to, to fight for these parties, but to stand in the gospel. And so here... In closing, I make this joke. When a pastor says, what, in closing, what does it mean? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to mean something today, though. <laughs> Look, I've been challenged, and things are hard. For example, let me tell you this last story. One of my sons, this is what happened when we get out of the will of God, or even just in the simplest things, not um, inquiring of the Lord. In my children having to move in the mission that God has called us to, sometimes I can find myself wanting to make life as easy as possible for them. I'm not crazy about education, education, education. And so one of my children, they, he, went to, he, went, he was in one of the charter schools. They closed it down, and they were given options for the schools. And so one of the schools I would have wanted him to go to 
he was asking not to be sent there. And so therefore, I was like, oh, you know, it's not a big deal, you know, as long as the school that you do go to is, is a decent school at least. So we never inquire of the Lord, hey, you know what, where do you want him to go and so forth like that. It was just me taking it on to myself saying, yeah, you know, that's where you want to go, okay, whatever. Small thing, right? No, not really. Watch this. And so he, um, he goes and we, I made a mistake on the school that I registered him for. And when I looked at the map, I found that it was in a neighborhood. I'm saying, like, no way, because if I can't go pick him up or my wife can't pick him up, it's going to be a problem. And I didn't want him to be in harm's way. And so, therefore, like, I went to try and change the school. So the school that we did try to put him in was um, they were on a waiting list. And so now we're praying, oh, God, please open up this thing, change it up, whatever, because we're not sending them to that school. I don't care what nobody say, you know. <laughs> and so now we're in this place. And so um, I end up, well, he ends up staying out of school for two weeks, and then the new school, the new charter school that opened up, accepted him on that roster. So, oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, God, for helping us out, right? And then... A couple of weeks in, a month or so into the school year, a boy brings a gun to school loaded, and now they're talking about they're closing the ninth and 10th grade in the school. And so I'm like, the world is, is this? Decent school, new, so forth. And so we back to praying, right? God, what's happening here? Where's he going to go? Now the school that I had wanted him to go to, he's saying, Hey, Dad, can you try and get me into that school? <laughs> what I learned and was reminded of in everything, small and great, bring it before him. God cares about the school that you go to. God cares about where we're sending. And we're trying to reason in our own heads. Well, you know what? We don't want to be too hard. Or, or we want. No. You know what? Pray about the school you're supposed to go. We're going to go and pray about the school that that we feel that you should go to, and we're going to see what God says about it. Because if not, we're just going to add more headaches and stresses, unnecessary stresses to our life. And so, with that, be obedient to God's Word. That's what these last verses talk about, being obedient to the Word of God. And I want to encourage us here. Look, it's not only to read the Word, it's not only to know the Word, but notice what it says here, to observe, to do all that he has said, all that he has written. And will we pray together for that desire? You know, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you don't feel like it. Just be honest with yourself. I don't feel like it. Some things God's going to say that we just don't feel like it. But as his servants, we're called to be obedient unto him. I want to be obedient to him. I want to do all that he's commanding me to do, small and great, because that's where you're going to find good success in your life, in your walk with him. That's where you're going to find the overflow in the service that we render unto the Lord. Father, I thank you for this time together. And in this simple truth, Lord God, of Joshua's life, um, starting off the call, to be obedient. Lord, I just pray for each and every one of us. Lord, you may have been speaking to us and we may have been being disobedient to your voice. But I pray right now for each one. Lord, that we would repent and we would turn to you. Lord, I pray that each one of us know your voice for our own selves. And I pray if there's anyone here that has yet come to know you personally, I pray tonight that they would put their trust in you. They would repent of their sins. They would believe on you, Lord, to, to be the only, not a way, but the only way. You said you're the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody's getting to heaven except they come through you. And so I pray for anyone here that is yet to put their trust in you, Lord God, as their Lord and Savior. I pray, Lord, there would be a turning to you. 
And I pray for those of us who know you, Lord, and been walking with you personally. I pray, Lord God, that there would be a, a public confession. I pray that there would be an obedience to your voice in the body as well as going out to reach the masses. I pray that the people that there are around, Lord God, they would begin to impact their lives for your glory. Lord, there's lost people around us. You've given us truth. You've given us a lot of truth. And I just pray that we would be obedient to sharing in whatever context you have us in. Lord, let us get out of our comfort zones and be obedient to your voice to go over and to possess the land that you are calling us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I bless you.